Hello and welcome to Sharp HR Career Corner with Karen Sharp Price. This podcast will inform and inspire you in your quest to find the right career path. If you're just starting out, looking to make a change in your field or transitioning into a new career, then this podcast is for you. We'll be sharing tips and providing resources on topics such as writing resumes, interviewing, using LinkedIn, and networking. We will take a look at different careers, companies, and opportunities. You will hear success stories from professionals in all career paths, and so much more. You will leave this podcast with three key takeaways that you can easily put into practice. Enjoy. Welcome to Sharp HR Career Corner. I'm Karen Sharp Price. Today, we're going to speak to Lisa Stephanie from Triple Track HR about her career story. Hi, Lisa. How are you doing today? I'm great. How are you, Karen? Good, good. Just trying to stay warm. <laughs> Seems to be the, the theme for Buffalo. I want to start back when you were at Penn State and you went to school for your bachelor's in education. Is that correct? I did. Yes. What were you hoping to do after you graduated from Penn State? Well, my plan back when I was, you know, 18, 19, 20 (laughs) was I was going to be a kindergarten teacher and, you know, get married, white picket fence, two children, a dog, all of that. (laughs) (laughs) And life changes. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I did get my degree in education, and I really was going to try to get into a school district when I I moved. So I moved up to Buffalo from Pennsylvania, where I'm originally from, in order to, I thought, get scooped up by a district who would absolutely love me because I had done my student teaching abroad. So I thought I was you know, all that and the cat's meow. Not only did I have my degree and I'm ready to teach, but I had done something overseas. So needless to say, it was at a point in time where it was just prior to a lot of retirements and things happening. So I just missed sort of a window of opportunity where there just wasn't a lot of hiring going on. So I worked in retail so I could pay my rent and keep my apartment and all that kind of stuff. But my first job really out of college was working in a preschool classroom of a childcare center that was sponsored by Merrill Lynch for employee base that was in Hershey, Pennsylvania. So I did that right out of college and then I moved up here and then worked retail, learned a ton by working in retail. I just, I learned so much about people and even just about the the city of Buffalo and the culture, cultural um, gems of Buffalo just by working in retail and talking to people who were coming into shop or whatever. And then I finally was getting fairly desperate and decided I would accept a long-term substitute teaching position at Gateway Youth and Family Services. So I did that. And during that time, then uh, the teacher I was co-teaching with knew someone who was going to open an employer-supported child care center up here in Western New York and introduced me to those folks. And that's actually where I met my now senior business partner way, way back. And I was involved in that first center that had opened. It had been started with grant funding and that kind of stuff. So I was still working in childcare, 
and my degree was elementary and kindergarten education. So I was way more equipped to work with little kids than I was the teenagers at Gateway Youth and Family Services, although they taught me a lot too. Yeah. Isn't it interesting how people come into your lives and how then your direction starts to pivot a little bit? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that that is one of the things that it's really hard to to impress upon um, younger folks who are just beginning their college careers or just beginning their, you know, their real um, employment careers. It's hard to explain how you could have a plan all day long, but so many things have an impact on that plan. And you have to be able to look at that as an opportunity as opposed to something that would hold you back. And if they do have a plan and it doesn't go exactly, that doesn't mean it's failure or not successful. Exactly. To go a different direction. Right, right. So through all of that, how then did you get to be the president of Triple Track HR? Sure. So Angie Klee and I, so she's my senior partner and we have a junior partner, Christina Klee. And yes, they're related. So I'm the non-family member uh, of a family business, basically, but like family. So Angie and I did a lot of work in the arena of employer-supported child care, which sort of moved into, over time, additional work-life benefits for large companies and unions, actually, locally. And we built our business on those kinds of programs and supports to you know, large manufacturing, auto manufacturing, primarily um, companies. And that was all funded by labor management agreements and things like that out of Michigan. So we did that for about 10 years, actually. And before that 10 years was over, we recognized that the economy was changing and that the funding that had been in place and the focus that had been there by these companies and their associated unions um, was going to change dramatically, diminish dramatically, probably go away. And so Angie and I kind of looked at each other and said, well, what are we good at? What could we do? Because we employed people, we had responsibilities to those folks and their families. And, you know, how do we what do we do? How do we pivot? Right. <laughs> that back then that wasn't the word, but yeah. So we, we recognized that we managed people. Well, we worked with people. Well, we had been um, recognized as, you know, a best place to work and we took good care of our folks. And we thought if we could teach other entrepreneurs, business owners, nonprofits, how to do that, how to, handle their people issues and do it so that they too could be best places to work for, which would of course benefit their company and their employee base, then, you know, we should try to do that locally. And we had some national contracts and things that we had sort of stuck our toes in the water on that um, before. And so we wanted to bring it local and we decided, okay, well, let's, let's do HR, human resources. Why not? (laughs) So we've been around since 2006, so quite some time. Mm -hmm. I, of course, had to go back to school and get certified to provide HR consulting. 
and we had to build a team and uh, and all that. And it took a while for Triple Track to develop, right? Because you have to develop your company. You have to d- decide what your services are going to be like. You're going to have to, you know, decide what how you're going to price, what's going to set you apart from other um, similar companies and that kind of thing. So it took a while to, de- to develop, but... We have eight employees now, and that's that's good. We don't need to be big at what we do. All our employees are really committed to helping businesses in Western New York be the best they can be by supporting their HR functions. So, you know, we're we're good. We're growing, and fortunately, we didn't take too much of a hit through this pandemic. Oh, yeah, and we did though. We pivoted to include a new strategic alliance um, with Envision Benefits Group, and we're doing we're offering now employee benefits um, more directly than we've been able to in the past. We can also offer the Paylocity payroll platform um, is available through us too. So we did add some services. We added some technology. We partnered a little differently than we have in the past, all to just keep things moving forward. That's great. So when you're looking at new hires, what kind of background and skill set makes the best candidate for a triple track HR? Yeah, so to come on to our team, we're really and we hope to be hiring shortly actually. We typically look for folks that are fairly generalist background. So general HR has kind of maybe been a one person show at a you know small to mid-sized business before because we really just we our typical client base is under 50 so we we really are working with small and mid-sized businesses to provide them the support that they need you know we'd like them to be certified through either HRCI or Sherum you know i think that they have to be outstanding communicators it's great to know your stuff and know the laws and compliance and that kind of thing. But if you can't communicate that to folks in a way that they can understand it, I think that also goes a long way to being able to connect genuinely with our, our client contacts because we really become trusted advisors as part Mm -hmm. of their team of advisors. And so we have to be able to instill some level of trust in that relationship. So people who are able to do that and who enjoy a variety of different tasks and things. People sometimes say, so what does your typical day look like? Oh, it's different every day. And I thoroughly enjoy that. And, you know, you have to be able to, to kind of embrace that and be, and nowadays you have to be super flexible because you just never know what somebody's going to need. Yeah. As an HR consultant, I didn't in the beginning before I became one, I didn't know if I would like that kind of change in, in moving from one company to another within a week, but that was the part that I loved the most because I got to dabble in so many different HR issues. If you're an HR person in one place, you may never touch on some of those things, but right. going to a variety of places, you're dealing with all different types of things. That is the fun part. Yeah, I have learned so much about 
a number of different industries because, you know, we are, we're all over the place. We're in retail and professional offices. We're in nonprofits. We're in small manufacturing. You know, it makes you think a little bit when you meet some of these folks and start working with them and their companies, you don't realize they're like little gems that are found in Western New York. Like who knew that, you know, this is how that happened, Yeah, you know? So it's good. It's, it's good stuff. Yeah. And you learn about all those industries, you know, as an HR professional, you may just dabble in one or two industries in your entire career, but as a consultant, right. you're, you're working with all different kinds of industries. And so it, it right. is, you're learning all the time. Absolutely. It's a, yeah. it's a fun, I think it's, it's a fun place to be. So we're going to take a little break and have some fun. I have some questions for you. I'm just going to throw them out and you're just going to say one or the other or whatever your answer is, your quick answer, just to break things up a little bit. And then we'll get back on track with with our questions. First one is, do you prefer virtual or in-person? In-person. Pizza or wings? Pizza. What's your social media of choice? Facebook. Dog or cat? We have both and a parrot. <laughs> okay. I'm not going to take favorites, all right? What's your choice of relaxation? I love to read. So here's my next question. Books or music? Mm, that's tough. Um, books more regularly, music. I sing in a, a show chorus oh, that we could meet in person. Yeah, it was a it was a thing and it brings me great joy. But now we're meeting virtually it's not exactly the same so I guess at this point books but I love music as well so as a side note on books audio or actual books that you can hold I do both actually (laughs) you really are I know I have (laughs) yeah (laughs) cover letter yes or no um yes what's more important to you receiving a cover letter or a thank you note Oh, gosh. Um, You know, it kind of depends what the cover letter says. (laughs) Okay. Um, I think the thank you note, handwritten, and all that kind of stuff is nice and sets things apart. But cover letters can be kind of valuable, too. So. Okay. Choice of beverage. Um, I I like Trulies. Oh, Like the hard seltzer. Yep. Yeah. So, otherwise, I drink a lot of water and coffee. Phone call or email? Email. And the bonus question, which is probably the most important question that I'm going to ask for today, Bills or Chiefs? Oh, my gosh. Bills? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, just testing your loyalty there. That's all. Yeah, okay. All right, we're going to get back into um, some more serious questions. What types of things do you see candidates do when applying for jobs that puts them in the no pile right away? Is there anything that stands out to you? Yeah, with the pace of everything, you know, being done virtually and through technology these days, I really feel there are a couple of things that that we see. One of the things is people applying for jobs that they have no business applying for, like you know, it's clear that they haven't read the the posting. And I know postings are boring and often they're too long and, you know, that kind of thing. But 
you know, it's very clear perhaps what the certification that's required is to do that job or, you know, a certain level of experience with a specific skill. And that person, at least via their resume, shows none of that, not even close. And so I think that's a waste of everybody's time, unfortunately. Now, if I see somebody that looks a little close, I will take the time to do a quick phone call to better understand how close that person might be to actually being sort of qualified because people have stories and it's very hard to learn everything you need to know initially off of a resume. That's why I do like cover letters sometimes. So um, that's one. Another one is typos on resumes and misspellings. And I don't not, I mean, I don't, put people aside as a result of that always, because I think that we're in a time right now that, you know, everybody communicating through texts and emails and their spell check. And I read, you know, newspapers and bulletins every day that come through with all sorts of typos. And that drives me nuts too. But what I do think, and what I try to tell clients who might be hiring and If the job requires a level of accuracy in communication, like emails and that kind of thing, then multiple typos or misspellings is a problem. Um, If that's not a thing, then, you know, all it may tell you is that someone doesn't have a great attention to detail or whatever, but it's typically not a deal breaker because you know, you've got to assume that they have other better skills, right? And that goes to their story. And then the last one I think is um, when you do finally talk to somebody on the phone, perhaps in a phone interview or pre-screen or whatever, and it's clear that they haven't done their homework. They don't remember that they applied for the job and it was just the other day or, They didn't have time to look on the website or whatever. And that always bothers me because I schedule a phone screen. So it's not like I'm calling somebody out of the blue and starting to ask them questions. So at the very least, take the last 10 minutes prior to the phone call and get on the web and do something, you know, prepares you for that. So that kind of those those three things, I think, show maybe a lack of commitment to the process. Well, and I also think it it kind of goes hand in hand. When you talk about one of the problems being that people apply to jobs that they really clearly aren't qualified for. If, If you're doing what you should be doing, and that is really targeting companies and the companies that you want to work for because of the company culture, the the dynamics of the job, things like that, then you should already know more about the company so that when you're in an interview and they ask you, what do you know about us? You really should have already researched that prior to even applying to the job. So some of these things are hand in hand. And I think people tend to just send out 20 resumes, hoping that somebody is going to bite, somebody is going to take them and call them. And so I think that is a real problem. I I think people need to, to stop and think about how they're going about their strategy of applying for jobs. Mm -hmm. And then I think maybe too, because of some of the requirements for unemployment and they have to apply to so many jobs, they tend to sometimes just grab 
and apply. Sure. And I think you're you're right about that. That's um, you know a downside of that particular you know process as well. I think. Yeah. Um, you were talking earlier a couple times about certification, and there are now two. So there is the SHRM CP, and then there is the old one, which is the PHR or the SPHR. Do you have a preference on either one of those? Um, I don't. I am certified under both. I think it depends on the individual and their, I mean, they're very similar um, in terms of process. And I think it's just been in the last 10 years or so that companies, when they're hiring, are looking for people who are certified in HR. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was very unusual for them to question that. And so many HR positions were filled by, you know, bookkeepers and, you know, finance folks or someone who agreed to do payroll or, you know, whatever. And they, and they learn on the fly and, and in many instances did a great job. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think certification is now important in it, but I don't think that it matters which, because, you know, HRCI that had the certification first, Shurum was part of that, you know, back in the day, and then they sort of split off and did their own. So I think they both hold a, a strong level of validity. Okay. okay. What types of things do you think stand out? Can you think of things that candidates did to try to, you know, get the offer, get the position that really stood out to you among their competition? Um, follow-up is always a thing. You know, I really appreciate when I phone screen somebody and, you know, on that phone screen, I may try to preempt things and ask for them to email me some references or something. And, you know, not shortly after we hang up, I get those references. And so there's, you know, follow-up, follow-through. You know, it's not unusual for us to be doing some recruiting here and there for clients as one of our services and something delays the process. Typically, you know, the client needs to think something through or whatever. And so, you know, a week could go by and a week these days in recruiting is long. And so, you know, if somebody calls and says, you know, I was just checking in because we spoke a few days ago and I'm, you know, I really appreciate that. I also think that the cover, I'd like to just say something about cover letters because I don't think this was always the case, but I do think now that a cover letter, as long as it's well-written, is uniquely capable of telling more of the story than the resume. And so, you know, not just the blanket cover letter but something that actually has some substance to it that maybe tells the story that maybe, you know, maybe somebody's reentering the workforce after, you know, being home raising children or something. And there's a huge gap in their resume. Maybe in that cover letter, they talk about what that is, what that gap was. So it's something, the cover letter I feel should be something that prompts the person who's reviewing the cover letter and the resume to want to know more about you and and what you've done and maybe what you have to offer. So that's what I mean about the cover letter. And then I do think that in interviews, when 
candidates can ask thoughtful questions, you know, at the end where you say typically, you know, and are there questions we can answer for you? Or is there anything you'd like to know about or whatever? When someone has some thoughtful questions, when someone actually, you know, when we used to do this in person, they would pull out their notebook and they'd written some questions down. And that's impressive to me as well. And those are little things that you would think that the majority of people that are out there looking for jobs do, and you would be surprised that they don't. So when you come along and you give them what they're looking for, you send the thank you note right away. I just did some interviews this week. And as soon as I finished, the one person sent me a thank you. And the other one, I never received one to this day. So in, in that sticks in my mind because I'm looking for someone who is detail oriented, who is on top of things, who is responsive. And so those things do make a difference. And I tend to tell people when you're doing a thank you note, you can do the email thank you note so that if the decision's being made within a very short period of time, they'll receive it. But to really top things off, write a handwritten one because maybe it'll take a week or two before they actually make the decision. And now you've given them two thank you notes and one in handwriting, which is an added plus. Great. And I think even if you apply all this to some of the concepts behind marketing, so you're marketing yourself as a candidate for a job. And, you know, we know that it takes what up to 10 touches for someone to really like buy your product or, you know, whatever it is that you're trying to market. And so those additional touches, whether it's through email or a phone call or a handwritten note is just one more opportunity for you to be remembered and stand out. Yeah. I think that those are really important things and everybody can think about, you know, what is their special touch that they can leave behind that is unique to them. And and I think it makes a a difference. When we leave each podcast, we like to have three suggestions or tips that somebody who might be listening, who could be thinking about, you know, making a change, transition, maybe they're unemployed, maybe they've been sort of depleted and trying to find a job right now during the pandemic and, you know, their, their heart's not in anymore. What are three suggestions, three things that you think somebody could do that might be looking for a new opportunity right now? Sure. I think particularly in Western New York, uh, networking is really helpful. And I don't mean necessarily professional networking and finding a group to join and that kind of thing. I mean, if you have the wherewithal to do that, great. But I'm talking about talk to your neighbors, talk to people that you interact with, pay attention when you're going into stores and, you know, there are just ways to meet people and then you just never know what that connection could bring. Right. So um, I think networking is big and, you know, thinking about who do you know, where do they work? How might they be able to connect you and asking that, you know, I'm, I'm searching for a job and I'm, I'm struggling a little bit. Is there, you know, could you point me in the direction of X, Y, Z, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that that's, that's one thing um, that we do very well in Western New York. And so I think that's, um, that's a good one. Um, I think people who are starting to get that itch of needing to move on to something else um, should probably start 
looking before they feel they really need to. I think it's good to know always kind of what's out there, what's available. You know, you want to be in control of your next career move. You don't want to be in a position where you're on the defense instead of the offense. So I think that that's key. And then I think right now, too, there's a lot of recruiting done through LinkedIn um, for a number of different types of more professional roles. But if folks aren't on LinkedIn, they should probably do that, develop a page. And that's another way to start your network networking um, to do that. But, you know, I think that it's unusual right now for people to not have a social media presence. And so that almost raises red flags. So I think LinkedIn is is the place to go for that. Self-branding, you've got to in this day and age. And sometimes people might be a little leery of the whole social media scene and and what to use and how to use it and things like that. But Mm -hmm. on on the professional side with LinkedIn, I I think that it's pretty standard. And 100% of the time, I think people will look for you on LinkedIn when you apply and just want to see a little bit more about you. You can't fit everything on your resume. And um, on LinkedIn, you can put everything it tells a little bit more of your story, which I think is important. When you were talking about a gap on your re- on your resume, I saw something on LinkedIn just in the last day or two, someone was posing the question to recruiters asking if they saw a big gap on a resume, would they still consider them? And I, I responded to it and I read the other people who, who responded and they, you know, they said yes. They they wouldn't say that that would be a complete turnoff. They'd want to know more. They want to hear what the story was, and putting that in the cover letter, like you said, answers a lot of questions. So that the person who's reading it really, of course, the question is going to come up. If you had a ten year gap, don't hide it. Put it put it out there and explain. There are so many reasons. You know, the care mm-hmm. of your parents, taking care Great. of your own children. And now with the pandemic, you're going to see a lot more gaps in the next next year to two years to three years on resumes because people have to figure out what they're going to do if they're unemployed. So people should understand that there's a lot going on in everybody's lives right now. The other way that I think a cover letter, the other sort of situation that a cover letter I think can help is... You know, I talk with a lot of our clients who will say to me, well, look at his or her resume. They're certainly overqualified. Why would they want this job? Well, that's the thing. There's a story behind everybody applying. You know, maybe at that point in their career, they they want something that it seems to be less responsibility, maybe that they than they've had before, or maybe they're wanting to reinvent themselves or you know, whatever. There are all sorts of reasons for that. And that would be another kind of thing to address in a cover letter because I do think people get passed over right out of the gate if they've got this fabulous, you know, manager this, CEO that, whatever mm-hmm. on their resume and they're applying for something that's much more um, you know, middle of the road or in a support kind of position as opposed to a leadership position. Yes. So. I, I totally agree. I've had clients come to me and their biggest concern is their salary because maybe they were making a high high salary and they you know they climbed the ladder they got to a point where you know they felt like they were successful they don't have that burning desire anymore they still want to contribute they still want to be a part of the workplace 
you know, they don't need the high salary, you know, for whatever their reasons are, it's not as important as it was at one point to reach that. And I think that people get a little nervous about, oh, you know, they're just going to take this and only stay for a short period of time and then move on to something bigger and better. But there's a lot of people out there that don't want bigger or better. They, they just want to finish up their professional career in a stable environment where they actually have that work-life balance, which I think is more important at some points of your life. And that story can be told and, and explained. There's, yeah. There is a lot of people out there in that, in that position. I want to thank you for your time because I think you've shared a lot of information, a lot of things that people can start doing right now just to tweak, you know, just tweak some of the things that that we talked about. If someone is interested in applying to Triple Track HR, what should they do? How do they go about it? I'd be happy for them to just give me a phone call or send me a resume directly to my email. And if they're hearing that because of this podcast and want to reference that, that's great too. I'd like, I always like to know where people find us or hear about us or, you know, what, what brought up, what brought triple track to their attention. So um, yeah, just a direct contact. Okay. And I will be putting that information um, in the description for the podcast. So people would also be able to see it. Um, And if someone's interested in hiring triple track HR, for their company, for their Mm -hmm. HR needs, what is the best way to reach out? Same? Same approach. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I'll I'll leave your um, LinkedIn profile and your email address, if that's okay, in the the description, Mm -hmm. and um, people can reach out to you. Thank you so much for your time today. I really, Uh, I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Thank you, everyone, for listening to Sharp HR Career Corner. You can find the podcast on pretty much all podcast outlets. If you enjoy listening, I encourage you to download them, leave a comment, and share with others that you know. The more downloads and comments and likes that our podcast receives, the better our ratings and the easier we can be found. So thank you in advance. Until next time, we need to show a lot more kindness in the world, and it starts with you and I. Thanks again for listening, and have a great day.